past, we have fears and worries and anxiety, and we're confronted with things that kind of seem to drain us of life. We have chaos in our lives. That's what I know in my own life, and I think it's probably true for most of you today. I want to ask a few questions this morning to kind of get us all on the same page to assess where we're at. So if you're watching online, you can join in in these questions. Here's the first one. Does anyone here besides me feel overwhelmed with the demands of life? I can raise my hand on that. A few folks. Does anyone here have a tendency to worry? Like if you don't have something to worry about, you'll actually create something to worry about. That's my mom. Hopefully she's not watching this morning. Hear me say that. Does anyone here feel stressed because of the realities of life? Just the ongoing pressures. Does anyone struggle with anxiety concerning what I call the what ifs? And we don't know if it's going to happen, but what if it does happen, right? I think sometimes we create this anxiety that we live in. You know, the reality is that life is not always easy and trouble does come. But one of the things I've discovered about us human beings And, like, it's interesting, nothing else that God created, none of the other animals have this problem we have. I think at times we can make life more difficult than it has to be. One of the things I've discovered in my own life is oftentimes I feel anxious and stressed, and when I step back from the situation to assess the situation, it's like I created my own stress. Anyone else guilty of that? I'm generating anxiety within my life when I really... When really there's not place for anxiety. I think we create a lot of our challenges, make life more difficult than, it was, than it's supposed to be. I was reading an article recently, interesting, that said the United States is now the most anxious nation in the world. Like, congratulations to us, right? The land of stars and stripes has now become the country of stress and strife. You know, beyond the daily pressures of life that we all have to navigate, and that is a reality you know, recently we've processed through, and I guess still processing through this COVID pandemic that created all kinds of stress and anxiety. There was loss of life. I know I did quite a number of funerals in that time period, and it was difficult, just the grief, the loss, the pain that comes with that. And knowing that, there were other anxieties. There was those who were pro-mask, and there were those who were anti-mask. There were those who were pro-vaccine, and there were those who were anti-vaccine. In whichever position you were in, you wanted everyone else to know your position. It's interesting that the seat that I sit in on the bus, I was getting texts and phone calls and emails. I was getting emails from those who, who were wearing masks saying, hey, we're not coming back to church because not everyone's wearing a mask. And then I would look at the next email, and it would say, I'm not coming to church because you're going to make me wear a mask. <laughs> and they like, wanted me to resolve the problem. Like, how can you keep everyone happy? Well, the reality is you can't. But in the midst of all of this COVID stuff, there was, on top of all of the other pressures of life, there was this growing pressure. There was this stress and anxiety. And then then beyond that, there's the racial tensions. There's the political tensions. Like, we certainly have a lot of reasons to be stressed and anxious. But in the midst of all of this, here's the question. is what we're going to focus on this month. How can we find peace? In the midst of the demands of life and the pressures of life and the injustices of life, and the chaos of life, how can we have calm? See, I believe, I believe that we can find calm in the chaos. Calm in the chaos, calm in the craziness, 
of life. Although we live in a stress-filled, anxious world, I'm convinced that we don't have to live anxious lives. We don't have to be ruled by worry to the point that worry robs us of joy. This is what I'm convinced of today. You can win over worry in your life. Matter of fact, tell your neighbor that. You can win over worry. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You can win over worry in your life. There's a better way to the calm, a way to have peace. And we're going to discover that in this four-week series uh, called The Calm. You know, as you think about it, peace is not the absence of problems. Oftentimes, individuals think, boy, if I can just get rid of all of my problems, then I'll have peace. Now, how many of you know that's not reality? Matter of fact, Jesus even said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have problems. So the thought of getting rid of all the problems is not reality. So peace is not the absence of, of problems. I think really peace is the presence of Jesus. Like, how do we bring Jesus into the situations of our lives? He's the one who brings peace in a world full of anxiety so that we don't have to live anxious. But today, I think there's an anxiety um, pandemic, a worry pandemic that's happening in our country, in our community, and even in the church. I, I get to hang out with a lot of folks. I get to talk with a lot of folks. A lot of folks make their way to my office. And I find, like, we have this pandemic of worry. Matter of fact, I want you to listen to some of these present-day realities as I dug into this a little bit. These are some of the facts and some of the statistics I found. Stress-related ailments cost the nation $300 billion every year in medical bills and lost productivity. $300 billion. Another study said anxiety disorders in the United States are the number one mental health problem among women and second only to alcohol and drug use among men. Between 1997 and 2004, a bit dated, but it says Americans more than doubled their use of sedative drugs, drugs like Xanax and Valium from $900 million to $2.1 billion. So we're taking more substance to try to help us deal with all of this anxiety and stress and worry. Another study said the journal... Uh, um, being the Journal of American Medical Association cited a study that indicates an exponential increase in depression. Went on to say people of each generation in the 20th century were three times more likely to experience depression than people of the preceding generation. So we're more blessed than we've ever been blessed. We have more safety. We have more security than we've ever had, yet we're more stressed than we've ever been. Right? Would you agree with that? So Why? What's the issue? How can we find calm in the chaos? Yeah, I believe we have a worry problem, an anxiety problem. I, I do want to say this morning, just to be clear, I understand that there's medical conditions that require medications, and at times, at times sedative drugs are necessary to help someone's system, uh, like to get the happy brain messengers. I just read a book about happy brain messengers. We need more happy brain messengers. Um, to get the happy brain messengers working correctly. Panic attacks are real and depression is real and it needs to be treated under the care of trained professionals. So I, I don't want to make light of um, depression issues. I don't want to make light of anxiety issues. I don't want anyone to leave today feeling condemned because you're presently taking some kind of medication to help you process life. Because at, at times I think that's necessary. At times, listen... Individuals need to see trained professionals. Folks make their way into my office. I'm not a trained professional. I'm just 
a farmer who's trying to be a pastor. I'm not a trained professional. I oftentimes send folks to train professionals because it's beyond what I know. It's beyond what I understand. They need help. And I think it's okay for us to realize that we do come to those times, and that's certainly not a place of condemnation. So hear that this morning, because you might be in that place. But in this process of recovery from anxiety and worry, we have to take responsibility and make the necessary healthy changes that we can make. That's what we're going to discover in this series. I just finished a book by Dr. Archibald Hart called The Anxiety Cure. I would highly recommend the book. It is a great read. I want to read a paragraph out of the book. Listen to what he wrote. It says, thank God we have many cures for medical diseases, but anxiety problems are different. Even when biological factors are heavily involved, anxiety medications don't cure anything, though they are a necessary starting point. They only relieve the symptoms of anxiety. They don't take away the cause. Only you can deal with the cause. Anxiety sufferers need recovery more than they need a cure. The line I want you to pick up on that statement is this. Only you can deal with the cause. So we have to take responsibility. So how can we find help in God's word? How can we embrace Christ in such of a way that helps us process the stress and the worry and the anxiety that has a tendency to wear us out? You know, in this time in which we live, I believe the presence of anxiety is unavoidable. I don't think you can avoid stress in the world that we live in today. However, I also believe that the prison of anxiety is optional. Catch the difference. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable. The prison of anxiety is optional. In other words, you don't, you don't have to stay. So over the next few weeks, we're, we're going to talk about how we can worry less and how we can properly address anxiety and the stress that wears us out. Because I believe that God gives us a prescription. A prescription for anxiety, and it's focused on this rightly related to him. And the prescription is found in Philippians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 8. And I would even suggest to you that you might want to commit this passage to memory. We're going to spend four weeks talking about it. But that you would commit it to memory so that when worry has a tendency to weigh you down or when you're feeling anxious like pressed out of measure, this is a great verse that you're a great set of verses. There's five verses here that you're gonna want to come back to. But listen to what Paul wrote in Philippians. Let me get there. Philippians chapter four. Beginning with verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So here we have five verses with four admonitions that leads us to one wonderful promise. Here's the wonderful promise. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That's the promise that we, we want to get to. So over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack the four admonitions, the four solutions to our worry and anxiety. And these four admonitions actually create an acrostic. And the acrostic is the word calm. How do we find calm in the chaos and the craziness 
of our world. So what I want to do this morning, I'm going to give you the four admonitions, the four directives. Then we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about the first one. But this is kind of where we're going in this series. And how can we find calm? The first is we want to celebrate God's goodness. Verse 4 says what? Rejoice in the Lord always. Rather than focusing on the negative, focusing on the bad, we're going to celebrate the good, the goodness of God. Here's the second admonition. We're going to ask for God's help. Verse 6 says, let your requests be made known to God. Listen, friends, not only does God love you, but he wants to help you. He wants to help you carry the burden of life. Matthew eleven twenty eight talks about, come unto me, all you who are weary and laden. And, and God said, I'm going to give you rest. I want to give you peace. So what? We, we want to ask. We want to ask for God's help. Here's the third admonition. Leave your concerns with him. Verse 6 says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So rather than carrying our concerns, our weights, our burdens, our pressures, we want to transfer them. We're going to talk about how do we shift the load. I'm convinced that you and I carry things that we were never intended to carry. Can I get an amen on that? We're guilty. We're weighted down. We want to transfer the load. Leave your concerns with them. The final admonition is to meditate on good things. Verse 8 says, think about such things. We want to reshape our thinking process. Rather than focusing on and being consumed with the negative, we want to focus on the good and the positive. As we feed our minds right information, I'm convinced we can win over worry. So we want to meditate. We want to meditate on good things. So how do we discover calm? We're going to celebrate, ask, leave, and meditate. I'm convinced if those four words are applied, it can lower your anxiety. And it can help you win over worry. I believe it's God's prescription for us in the days in which we live. Another quote from Dr. Archibald Hart in his book, he says, Your mind and body were designed for camel speed. Your life is moving at the speed of, cheetah, a speed of a cheetah. No wonder you're having stress and anxiety. We were designed to move at camel speed, yet we have the craziness of our world. So how do we discover the calm? The first admonition, that's what we want to dig into this morning, that the Apostle Paul gives us is to celebrate the goodness of God. Look back to verse 4. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Paul used here every tool in the toolbox hoping to get our attention. First he employed what you would see in the Greek structure of how this is written. You would see the present imperative tense. So, So basically Paul's saying to his readers, he's saying to us, continually habitually rejoice. In other words, that it may it be the process that marks your life. Continually, habitually rejoice. And, and if the verb tense wasn't enough, he removed the expiration date. Notice he says rejoice always. Rejoice all the time. Rejoice in, in every season. And by chance we still didn't get it, he, re, he repeated the command again. He says, I'll tell you again, rejoice. Now, if you're like me and you're a, a little slow in capturing truth that transforms um, like Paul states this in a way that we should get it, right? We should be those who are, the word's rejoicing. We should be those who are rejoicing. I mean, three times Paul says here to us, like here's how you should process life. With celebration, with rejoicing. As you know in life, we can focus on the negative and the bad, the difficult and complain. We can feed 
worry and anxiety, right? We do that at times. Or we can focus on the goodness of God and the blessings of God and the faithfulness of God, and we can diminish worry and anxiety as we choose to celebrate the goodness of God. Now, what's the first solution to anxiety and stress and worry and the stuff that's wearing us out is to celebrate, to celebrate the goodness of God. We want to be individuals whose lives are marked by rejoicing. And specifically this one, there's three areas that I believe we need to rejoice in. The first is, is we want to rejoice in God's sovereignty. We want to rejoice in the fact that God's in control. How many of you this morning would be honest enough to say that you're a control freak? Come on, honest, you're in church. A few more hands. Listen, if you're like me and you're a control freak, then when life starts to get out of control, what happens? You get anxious, right? You get worried. You get stressed. Here's the good news for us today. We can rejoice in the fact that God is sovereign, which simply means he's in control. Listen to a couple of these verses that speak of this. They're going to be on the screen. Psalm 71, verse 16 says, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. And then Proverbs 21, verse 30 says, there's no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Why? Because he's sovereign. Then Hebrews 1.3 says that the Son being Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the power of his word. But God is sovereign. Now, sovereign is not a word that we use a lot, so let me just give a little definition to it. Sovereignty is the term the Bible uses to describe God's perfect control and management of the universe. Now, he preserves and governs every element. He's continually involved with all created things, directing them to act in a way that fulfills his divine purpose. It's simply stated, God's sovereignty means that he's in control and he's working in all things according to his plan for our good. So what does that mean? Simply stated, it means this. We can relax because God's got it. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this morning, relax, God's got it. Relax, God's got it. That's what sovereignty means. Like, God's got this. God's, God's in control. God's managing. God's directing. Like, I don't have to be, like, pressed out of measure, stressed and anxious. I don't have to create all of this turmoil within trying to control or trying to figure out the whys and the whats. Listen, if we truly come to embrace the fact that God is sovereign and he's in control, then we can rest in that. You know, the problem's not convincing people that God's sovereign. The problem is living as if God's sovereign. The problem is convincing people to live knowing that, that God's in control so we don't have to. But we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. We don't, we, we don't have to fret about what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen in the future. You know, my, my dad, um, I think I've mentioned this, he had a stroke be seven years ago in August. As a result of the stroke, he's disabled, so he spends... Um, pretty much every day in the recliner um, watching TV because that's about all he can do in his present state. His mind's still sharp. His body's just not working well. So he spends hours watching the TV. And one of the things that he watches a lot of is the news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and my, my dad's a man of great faith. Um, I have great respect for my dad. 
But uh, I try to call my parents every day, every other day. And every once in a while, I have to give my dad a little pep talk because he's been watching too much news. You know, he's, he's worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. He's worried about the state of the union. He's worried about currency and what's going to happen to the currency and all of these things. And, and I have to give my dad a little pep talk to, to remind him of God's faithfulness of the of God's faithfulness in the past, of God's goodness in the present, and God's sovereignty in the future. Because if not, the what ifs, what stirs anxiety and, and fear. So my dad understands the sovereignty of God. Every once in a while, he just needs to be reminded of the sovereignty of God, to be reminded of the fact that God's in control. So rather than seeking to control, what we need to do is relinquish it. Listen, you can't run the world, but this you can do. You can relinquish it to God. And as you rejoice in his sovereignty, you can rest in his goodness. You say that again. As you rejoice in his sovereignty, then you can rest in his goodness. And what I'm confident of is that peace is within the reach, not for lack of problems, but because of the presence of a sovereign Lord. So rather than rehearsing the chaos of the world, how many of you know there's a lot of chaos that you can get lost in? Man, there's a lot of stuff happening in the world. And if not, you can fill your mind with that to the point that you are stressed and pressed beyond measure. What we, want to, what we want to do is we want to rejoice in the sovereignty of the Lord. We want to find calm in the fact that God's in control even when our world seems out of control. So the, the first admonition or the first step in this is we want to remember that God's got this. You know, every once in a while, I just have to step back from what's happening in the world from all of the prophetic words that are being spoken on social media, I could talk about that for a while, uh, which frustrates me to no end. If they would go back to stoning false prophets, it would stop some of that nonsense. Right? Stirring fear, stirring anxiety. Listen, every once in a while, I have to step back from all of that and just remind myself, God's got this. He's sovereign. I don't have all the answers, and I'll never have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. The news stations don't have all the answers. This is what I know. God's sovereign, and I rest in his sovereignty. I rest in sovereignty. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to fix all the problems. I don't have to be in control because he's in control. And we want to rejoice. First, we want to, we want to rejoice in God's sovereignty. Not only do we want to rejoice in his sovereignty, but we also want to rejoice in the Lord's mercy. You know, here's some good news. In the midst of all of the bad news of our world is that God's mercies are new to us every morning. Man, that should make you shout right there. When you got up this morning, you had a new, a new dose of mercy, new mercies available to us. Lamentations chapter 3 talks about the mercies of God being new every morning. So what do we have today? We have fresh mercy for today. It brings freedom for us if we embrace, if we receive that mercy. I want you to listen to what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Listen to how this scripture reads. But because of his great love for us, notice God who is rich in mercy. He's overflowing in mercy. He's overflowing in kindness. The scripture goes on to say, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved. And notice Paul says God is rich in mercy. 
And the good news for us is that mercy is available to help us resolve the failures and the regrets of our past. You know, as we think of anxiety triggers, and there's all kinds of triggers that kind of stir anxiety within us, we often think of like busy schedules and unrealistic demands and unresolved problems. But I think at times we need to go deeper, and the deeper is this. Oftentimes, it's unresolved issues in our lives that produces guilt that leads us to anxiety and stress. It's like failures of our past, regrets of our past. And rather than receiving God's mercy and letting those things go, we get weighed down with them. We try to numb it with the substance. We try to deny it and pretend it never happened. We try to bury it by staying busy. We try to punish it by beating ourselves up. But those methods, like, they don't work. If we're not careful, it's the guilt of the failures of our past. It's the guilt of the regrets of our past that, that stirs anxiety and stress within us. In my tenure of ministry, I've done a couple funerals for individuals who couldn't get beyond the failure and the regrets of their past and the failures and the regrets of their past that stirred guilt, brought depression and anxiety to the point that they took their own lives. They couldn't cope. Depression and anxiety. But if you roll it back, it was all because they couldn't let go of the failure of the past, the regret of the past. Now listen, folks, this morning we need to rejoice in God's mercy. His mercy that's new to us every morning. Here's the good news. You don't have to carry failure forward. You don't have to live in the regrets of yesterday, the blunders that you made. Because if you do, again, what does it do? It creates anxiety. It creates worry. So what do we want to do? We want to let those, we want to receive God's mercy. You know, 1 John 1, 9 says that, that if we confess our sins, our failures, our blunders, if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So what does that mean? It means this. You can have like the slate white clean. It means this, that you can live forgiven. It means this, you don't have to be a slave to the things of the past. And it means that, that anxiety no longer has a place because of that failure of the past. But you can, you can live free. And this is what I know. Guilt sucks the life out of us. But God's mercy brings life to us. So you don't have to live burdened down by guilt. You don't have to live burdened down with the issues and and the stuff of the past. So as we confess our failures and regrets, you have to know then, according to 1 John 1 night, that you've been forgiven, right? Yes. Are you with me? But this is what I've experienced in my own life, and maybe you can relate to this, is I know I've been forgiven because I've confessed. The scripture says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. He'll forgive us. But how many of you know we have an adversary? We have an adversary who the scripture tells us wants to destroy us. And I'm convinced one of the ways that he destroys us is through condemnation, by using the stuff of the past. And so even though we have been forgiven, even though we've received God's mercy, 
So the issues of the past have been removed. The issues of the past have been settled. What I've come to discover in my own life is the adversary comes and he brings up the stuff of the past and he uses it like a baseball bat to wear me out. He uses it like a, like a, a source of anxiety. And so what do, we, what do we have to do? Well, we have to remind ourselves that we've been forgiven, but we've received the mercy of God. We're no longer a slave to the things of the past. So we, we want to rejoice in God's mercy. We want to receive God's mercy in our lives that brings freedom. Now do we want to rejoice in God's mercy. Here's the third and final statement. We want to rejoice in the Lord always. Highlight, underline, circle the word always. Always means this. It means in every situation, in every season. Right? Always means when life is good. And when life is hard, always means when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it, right? How many, sometimes, you, sometimes, sometimes you have to tell your body how to respond, right? Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. You know, they say if you're talking to yourself, you're going crazy. But what I believe is every once in a while you need to talk to yourself. Every once in a while, I need to remind myself of the goodness of God. Every once in a while, I need to remind myself, I'm not going to allow my mind to go to that place. Every once in a while, I need to remind myself, is this how I'm going to respond to this situation? I could complain. I could, I could whine. But rather than that, I'm going to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And what's interesting for me you may not be aware of this, but the book of Philippians, Paul is actually writing this letter as he's sitting in a prison cell. Think about that. He, as he's in a prison cell, as a result of being falsely accused, as a result of injustice, certainly there was room for complaint. But what's he writing about? He's saying, hey, here's how you need to process life. You need to rejoice. In a prison cell. He's talking about rejoicing. And notice he says that, that, again, that we should rejoice always. See, what Paul knew is that you cannot control the happenings of life, but what you can control is this, your response to the happenings, right? And the response you choose will determine whether you feed anxiety and worry or whether you rise above worry and anxiety. I think that's why Paul directs us to rejoice in the Lord always. You know, when, when the pressure of life's caving in on you, you can worry or you can worship. Like, you, you have an option here. If you worry, you feed the anxiety. If you worship, you feed your faith. Worry makes the problem big, and worship makes God big. So my challenge to you today and every day is to make God big in your life. Rejoice in the Lord always and in every situation. Choose to worship God. Choose to focus on the goodness of God. Listen, it may not change the situation, but this is what it'll do. It'll change your perspective of the situation. It'll change you as you're walking through the situation. It'll guard your mind and heart from the weight and the wor from the weight of worry and anxiety. You know, Romans 8:28, a great verse of scripture tells us this: in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Not in some things, not part of the time. And Paul says, in all things. So in the hard times, God's working for your good. So rejoice. 
In the seasons that doesn't make sense, God's present and he's working for your good. So rejoice. When the news station says the world's falling apart, God's good and he's working for your good. So rejoice. When life is, is good, know it's because God is good and rejoice. Paul simply says here to us, rejoice in the Lord always. So, so the first step to finding calm, to find calm in the chaos of life, and we're living in a chaotic world. I understand. I'm not making a lot of the times we're living in. I think they're challenging times. I think we've created some of it myself, um, personally, but we are living in chaos. How can we find calm in the midst of the chaos of our world? I believe the first step in this, in this prescription we find in God's word, is that we would celebrate the goodness of God, the goodness of God in our lives. So what I want to do this morning as I, as I wrap this up is I want to give us an opportunity to practice this in this room before you leave this room. I want to get you started uh, putting this to work in your life. So what would you celebrate? As you think about the goodness of the Lord in your life, what would you celebrate this morning? Health. Health? Yeah, just the, that we're blessed with health and strength. Life, yeah, that we have life. God's given us life, the goodness of the Lord, bringing life for us. Family, family? yeah, just to have family. Listen, life is all about relationship, isn't it? To be able to share life with family, folks that we get to love on and be loved by. Brand new day. Brand new day, yeah, that God's given us a new day and that his mercies are new to us in this day. What else? The goodness of God. We're celebrating the goodness of God. Freedom. The freedom that we have in Christ. The freedom we have in our nation. Yes. Forgiveness. Praise God for forgiveness. Listen, we don't have to carry it. We don't have to be weighed. How many of you know we all have some skeletons in the closet? Come on. We all have some stuff in our past. But we don't have to carry it. Cheryl says we have forgiveness, the goodness of God, the mercy of God that makes that possible. Someone in the back said, I'm sorry. Really loud. I got my. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's good. The goodness of God. I'm sorry. Yes. Friendship, yeah, yes. The Holy Spirit, yeah, we have God with us. And God knew we needed help, so he gave us the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to process life with us. And the goodness of God. So here's how we find calm in the chaos. We celebrate the goodness of God. So this week, when life starts to kind of press in on you, the demands of life, when things seem to be out of control, know that they probably are out of control, but God's in control. Well, we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Mm-hmm.